As a metalhead looking to get into the Halloween spirit, well, how do you expand that? Now, one option would obviously be music, but maybe there's more to it after this. Metal Productions, I am Reaper, and this is Hellcast. Today I'm going solo, and maybe that's the first point to when you're talking about getting into the Halloween mood, is that you need to be by yourself. Well, as a first option, and if you've been paying attention to Reaper Metal Productions, then hopefully I'm not alone in kicking it off as a band that might be great for Halloween spirit, and that is Wamen Angel, a band that has just released their album under sadistic pressure. So if you've been paying attention, you've been definitely seeing plenty of content around that. But let me take a moment here to kind of fill you in about it, but also why it's a contender to the Halloween spirit. Because as you can, can't really gather from the cover art, you can gather kind of from the band themselves that there's a lot going on mate, with the imagery. But of course, if you're a metal fan, then you're kind of just going like, yeah, that doesn't really switch it up. And I agree. So it's kind of more of like the visual when it comes to the music video, a Sato Command that we re- released, that you know, brings more of the creative aspects and kind of the, more of the Halloween spirit, as you can kind of see as the video video moves on. But that's kind of the point that I've arrived to myself, that it really kind of doesn't get me in a Halloween mood because not to sound cool, but to really approach the subject honestly, I don't exactly rely on metal to get myself into the Halloween spirit. Sure, some bands like Womit Angel do a good job to kind of do it visually and bring that toward, but I, I just don't really, you know, it, it, it has to be something more than that because to be that cool guy. It's like, well, I do listen to this all the time. So I do kind of need to almost switch it up when I'm looking for that fix. And so when it comes to bands though, and music and primarily metal in this case, then I do a band that I do highlight is abysmal grief from Italy. And you know, I'm not really going to lender any, uh, sound samples here, but you actually can kind of gather from, you know, the imagery and stuff here, the covers, but the sound of the band, it's kind of like, you know, when you're talking metal bands that are in the Halloween spirit, like Acid Witch would be a really big example, maybe Mortician and stuff, but more mostly Acid Witch that, that comes to mind at least that it, it really has a lot in the eighties kind of horror movie sound, and that's kind of where I would only really mention them in this context. Granted, I think it's a great example of getting in the Halloween spirit. That for me personally, though, I prefer a band like Abysmal Grief because it's more of the less campy 80s style and like uh, synth music, even though I'm going to kind of be a... Um, hypocrite here as I get on with my examples, but it's just got more of the campy aspect and it's more of the 80s style. And as I love that stuff, I kind of lean more towards a, a serious manner. And I think 
abysmal grief has more of that going on with like it's kind of doom and the vocals are more of like a, a clean but not um and it just sounds a little bit more haunting and uh with the doom aspect of it and having like keyboards uh the, the most of the keyboard sounds um i think uh, it's not like a, a typical organ or that goes on uh maybe even like you know if you're if you're familiar with keyboards how you can change up the sounds and stuff uh like it's got some strings and stuff but maybe even like a harpsichord and so like it brings more of a, a haunted house kind of feeling i think and um and, and you know when it comes to kind of movies and and stories and stuff horror movies uh, I, i'm kind of more into the haunted nature granted 2019 and below you know we've had so many of the maybe not so much haunted houses but definitely uh but like exorcisms and all that and Granted, like they usually the newer ones are really awful, but I'm I'm always a sucker wanting to check it out because it, that that's kind of my favorite one. I like the mysteriousness of it, so I think that's where a lot of uh, getting into the mood for me kind of derives from that. So when it comes to music though and, and metal, like I, I'm kind of lacking some examples outside of you know Bismal Grief, definitely Acid Witch. Some people might say maybe a band like uh, Cult de Ghoul, uh, maybe even Wam. Angel will be a contender, or, or you know, Impaled Nazarene, or, or you know, bands of the like in the black metal style. But I'm definitely kind of just a yeah, I listen to that all the time. So what I don't listen to all the time uh, is, but still, in very much the nature of horror movies, are then soundtracks. Like I, but you know, not to like be like. I've always kind of wondered, like, because I'm recently getting into soundtracks. So I've always kind of wondered to anybody that was, like, uh, you know, into soundtracks, like, well, why would I really want to, like, jam a movie? And having gotten into soundtracks more and started collecting them, um, I know why I would want to jam a movie. And the, the first example would be because it kind of sucks you into the music more. Like, so a soundtrack that I absolutely love or is pretty much name any John Carpenter movie. Because, and especially if you're familiar with John Carpenter, like you know, he's a master of horror. They say, but really, a lot of his uh, movies aren't always like you know, Halloween, and Prince of Darkness, and the, the you know the the blatant horror that he's known for. And so, like maybe like something like Big Trouble in Little China can kind of be stuck in there, but more in a campy sci-fi. And so. But the soundtrack to it kind of really can still be good for Halloween time. So, like, anything John Carpenter soundtrack, like, I don't know, it works for me. And so it... He's kind of just kind of like got like some riffs and like it's just like as as he's described it in numerous interviews, it's like it's just like an underlaying, which is probably a lot of soundtracks. And that's the point is that it is just like you don't really realize what's all going on in the music and that when you got dialogue and stuff going on over it, it you know, you don't get sucked in as much. So that's what I think opens it up when you have a soundtrack and then not then there's plenty more to it that maybe like there's a theme for a scene that, you know, the scene's only so long that the composer uh, of the soundtrack maybe uh, had a elongated version of, and, you know, you get that extended version on the actual soundtrack that, you know, you can get sucked in more, there's more to it, um, so there's kind of a whole new world, and then if you love the movie, like, it kind of just gives you that nostalgia or whatever you want to call it, like puts you in the mood of that movie and you can kind of appreciate it after, you know, having watched it maybe a zillion times. So I kind of like it for that aspect. Um, and really like if you can find a good, 
silent horror movie like Nosferatu, but there's a whole different thing. I'll go on on a tangent for that. That you know, some of the silent movies you can kind of just then really bring the next problem that you kind of may have in getting in the horror mood is that like, what are you gonna do? You're just gonna like put on music, and unless you're watching Woman Angels video here on Reaper Metal Channel or or any video at, at that, like, or you're you're gonna be either reading the booklet or staring at the wall and following along. And there's really nothing wrong with staring at the wall, following along, but it can get kind of boring. So you need to add some literature, and that's another way to get into the mood of horror. And a great way to get into the mood of horror is, A, to expand your horizons when you're using literature. And so that's where, boom, Evil Speak Magazine comes in, and particularly in this case, issue number six, because Evil Speak Magazine, which is great for you know having a like-minded metal mind, tell you about underground horror to the extent of like metal heads and maybe Hellcast telling you about metal underground metal bands and you know oh my god I've never even heard of that that like it's kind of like that for horror movies because you know there's a lot of Hollywood garbage so to have like a like-minded metal fan or just horror fan in general that knows all these obscure uh, underground movies this is this is the magazine uh, for you and so uh, this issue in particular, and if you've been following this channel long enough, you will remember Billy, who's also in the band Vault Wraith, uh, was on and did a Heavy Metal Relics episode, and I'll link that up wherever you can, you're consuming this uh, episode to check that out. But uh, in this ep- this um, magazine, this issue in particular, um, I wrote an article. So getting back to uh, Nosferatu and you know the soundtrack aspect of a silent movie, and why I would hold off on that for a second is that this the article that I did kind of dives in rather than it's like you know okay great so you're gonna read a, a horror magazine that tells you about great movies you can check out like how does it tell you about great movies you could check out like this movie's awesome and when Michael Myers walks in with a knife like I was creeped out like maybe some people write it that way but when I was thinking about it because I don't write articles all the time I was thinking how could I talk about this movie and and in perhaps a different light and so Nosferatu for me and the point about the music is that you're not going to really maybe have seen the same Nosferatu 1922 silent movie that I've seen because the movie was, for one big fact that most people probably know, the plagiarism between its uh, you know comparison to uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula, which was pretty f- not too far off b- from being written at the time, was... Uh, it was a uh, plagiarism, so it had to be pretty much destroyed at the you know the request of a a lawsuit for Bram Stoker's then widow, who was still alive. So it kind of lost. It, uh, it was like thrown away, and like you know a lot of the movie was made to exist. Then like ten years later, I don't know. You got to read the article. It says uh, to come back to light. Even back then, in like the thirties, that I think it made it to United States in like late twenties, maybe early thirties. That, you know, things were different by that time. I mean, it was a German movie, so that's one. But, like, so you think that maybe if it was German and then it has subtitles in German, that when somebody translates from German to English, that you're French or what all, all these other languages that it would have been before it made the United States and England or English. Like, you think the mu- the music's going to be intact? Absolutely not, especially in 1920-something when, you know, there really wasn't much of a recorded music when you're watching this movie going to Berlin to watch its debut and you got a live orchestra performing the music. So if you got, like, the Kino version and – 
there is they went and they found the original score to it and then re-performed it and it it really dialed it in and made me think like classic horror movies I'll keep with Halloween like can you imagine Halloween without the music you've ever heard it probably exactly it would ha- lose some of its effect so when you put that into perspective you watch a silent movie you read along like it can do a lot for the experience whether it just be a silent movie or you're putting on big trouble little china or woman angel or whatever and then reading that the point is putting on music and reading you know doing something while you're uh um, listening to music so this is a great freaking zine to discover movies I, I mean i haven't even cleared the issue yet and it's just like oh my god like this will take me for the rest of the year and this is issue number six and i have the rest of the issues and you can too because i'll leave a link you can grab it on amazon uh grabbing it definitely helps out evil speak it helps out reaper metal because we get an affiliate marketing from amazon so corporate america's hooking it up it doesn't cost you any extra money just because we got a link and they help out evil speak and you know all that good stuff so definitely highly recommend it for that but uh you know be very flattered uh that you would be even picking it up for my article but so an easy plug, but seriously, uh, something that I, I do do for the Halloween season, because I don't always read horror magazines until this time of year um, to get into that mood. What movie should I be throwing on? Because I want to expand that. But additional uh, literature, like uh, a good friend, Dennis Delaware, the, the, the heavy metal teacher who you've seen on Hellcast. He got me more in the reading outside of small articles, like full-on books. So the last book I pretty much read was uh, Nosferatu. Uh, there's a show on it, Joe Hill, Stephen King's son, which yeah, Nosferatu throws it all in. But uh, that seriously was the last book I read, so throwing it in there. It, it, more of a Christmas story, and there is kind of a tie to the uh, Nosferatu um movie story granted joe hill is a little bit wrong and if you read my article and you read that book you would know why uh, basically because he kind of ties in and says that nosferatu is german for vampire and the word is not and yes this nerd does cover where, where the origins of the word is so uh it, it's it's that would that would be another great thing great uh, novels maybe that you know maybe beyond the stephen or the joe hill or stephen king um discography or not discography of but books you know there, there's plenty of other stuff I, I don't know so much because i need a evil speak of literature world to find out other books uh but i know that like maybe if you're looking for like comics or something tales from the crypt is great you can get like the uh what they call it uh, but it's all the issues are in a uh, uh a paper bound book so that's been great um then i've been finding like like, cause you know, being into the, like the more mysterious stuff, like, you know, before vampires got really shitty as they are now with twilight or whatever the hell you can blame it on that ruined them all. Um, I, I liked the, or I liked the stories of vampires. I thought it could be very gruesome as Nosferatu made them that like, I like to kind of find other, uh, representations of it because, you know, Bram Stoker might have something totally in mind and Nosferatu was a, a vision. It was depicting a, a, a pictureless book, you know, in, onto the screen. So that, that interpretation of a vampire might have been totally different so it's cool to kind of dive into that and you know you can kind of do that for any other kind of sort of monster because getting back to movies what are some cool movies that you can uh watch well then for uh, first and foremost definitely it may might be more on the uh dated side but i absolutely love them they totally get me in the halloween spirit and that's the classic universal monsters 
just you know you can't go wrong with uh, Frankenstein or or all the the sequels to it or Wolfman, the Invisible Man, like all all that stuff's great. And kind of sticking with what I said about vampires and expanding on that because Dracula would be one, uh, Bela Lugosi, or if you want to get really nerdy, uh, and in the Universal world, then the Spanish version of that, which is essentially like the same exact movie, but it's not Bela Lugosi, it's a Spanish uh, speaking actor that they use the same sets, but then it was like they did it at after hours of the main Dracula. We know that you know, the, so it was like kind of like a second take that they it was almost better visually because they kind of got it, you know, did it during the day and then the Spanish crew came in. So stuff like that, you know, you can do, you can kind of take that same thing and apply it because like Hammer Horror, which is oh, fantastic for movies, you know, there, there's there's Frankenstein, the Curse of Frankenstein, you know, the, the, a lot of the monsters then existed in that universe too. So you can find those versions and and Christopher Fur Lee in, uh, you know, Fr- Curse of Frankenstein, like it's a little bit more gruesome. It's I think uh, late 50s, early 60s. So it's it's got it's got all that going. So uh, it, it's just it's great. It, I love you know kind of continuing a saga of something you already like and want to get to know, but uh, to expand on something that's kind of still in there, like actor wise, and and why I think I'm a little bit more like you know saying that you know Acid Witch as opposed to Abysmal Grief and why Abysmal Grief is more in my vocabulary is that I kind of do like more like the '50s kind of. stuff kind of stuff. And sure, that could be to somebody way more campy, but I think it's like the sincerity of it and the acting. So like Vincent Price, like you could pretty much put on any Vincent Price movie and you're going to at least be glad you watched it. So like House on Haunted Hill. Yeah. If you've seen that movie, of course, there's like stuff in there. You're like, oh my God, like the special effects for the time. But like the mood and the way that Vincent Price just is, delivers it, like he, there's no campiness to his performance. So it's like it kind of just sucks you in because it's like, well, he's like, you know, he's such a great actor that he just that his performance brings you in. And then just like, of course, like you know, Halloween decoration or this Reaper right here, like we all know it's fake, but it's the mood that it puts you in. So I would say that, like when it comes to movies and all that, that's kind of my favorite era, the black and white aspects. So there's plenty of things, you know, between. Uh, House on Haunted Hill, the Asylum. So you get into like Peter Cushing, who's another great, uh, you know, classic older uh, actor that you you just pretty much find one of his movies and put it on, and not just Star Wars, you know, horror stuff, and but Hammer horror in that regard. Um, so hopefully that kind of gives you a, an idea of some great things that you maybe you haven't thought about. It's sure it's in the wheelhouse of everything you might have been expecting to hear, but like outside of movies, music and books, what is left for the Halloween season? Maybe like haunted houses or something? I don't know. That's kind of why I want to leave this with a question to you. What do you do as a metalhead, you know, a like-minded individual to get into the Halloween spirit? Let it be known in the comments below or wherever you're consuming this uh, content. would be expecting some Hellripper fans here because on the line I have the James McBain from Hellripper and we're going to be chatting hopefully very disturbing things like his what is your guiltiest of pleasures James guilty ple- I mean I don't really have any guilty pleasures I listen to anything 
Like you ask somebody like, hey, are you guilty about something? Like if Wolf, they're like, well, if I'm not guilty for liking later Metallica, then I guess it's not a guilty pleasure. Now is it? Exactly. Later Metallica's great. There's no I'm not gonna deny that. <laughs> well, it's definitely that love for Metallica is definitely heard within now, I, actually, I notice it more on the, the the album, the Hell Ripper album, coagulating. What's the rest of it? Darkness. Oh, is that was it? <laughs> I thought there was yeah. more to it. I thought you had an Inquisition thing going on there, where I was like, you know, coagulating the forces of undeniable, disturbing darkness. <laughs> that's the that's the reissue <laughs> one. For Metal Productions is proud to present a latest release, and that is Hell Ripper, complete and total fucking mayhem. Now, if I didn't know any better, I would have thought that that was a unguilty pleasure and just the straightest of pleasures. Of Loving Midnight. Did that title? Indeed, yeah. yeah. Uh, completely. Um, obviously, the lyric, uh, Total Fucking Mayhem, is in the, the song Total Mayhem. And I thought, and I was, I'm was, i a big Midnight fan, so I had to call my compilation something. Yeah. So I thought, yeah. I'll copy them. I'll rip them off. <laughs> you know, so it's funny, because I'm, I'm, you know, so if you know not, nothing about Hell Ripper, to dive into it, a band from Scotland, as you maybe can tell. And I have to point this out because I was, you know, just engaging with some social media and I was talking about Scott. Like, you know, it'd be cool to talk about Scottish bands. Now that I think about it, if I knew too many of them, and then I was really informed when I asked about it. But in that process, I mentioned Nazareth and particularly the album Hair of the Dog. And I totally accidentally today slapped on this fucking tankard shirt. And sure enough, Hair of the Dog. So it's like, well, if we weren't able to get the Nazareth love in there, at least we could. Subconsciously. Yeah. Now, are you a Nazareth, are you a Nazareth fan? Um, I do like a couple of songs. I'm not, I don't know them too well. Mm-hmm. But like Hair of the Dog and things, yeah, uh, I do like them. But I couldn't, I'm not knowledgeable at all. So you're not going to rip, are you going to rip Athenar now, knowing that he loves them, that you're going to get the box set like he just got? <laughs> So yeah. see, we we had a poker party. It's like uh, Rodney from Devastation got me a, a Nazareth box set. So then like, I was like, wow, wow. I was like, so, you know, it's got like 10 discs or something. I was like, holy shit, that's a lot of Nazareth. I mean, granted, there is a lot of Nazareth to be had. But uh, so like mid- midway through the week, he's like, I'm like disc three of Nazareth. Like, fuck, you'd be Nazareth out if you keep that going for the whole damn week. Like, I don't, yeah. even, I don't even know three albums worth of Nazareth to, you know so the only CD I own from Nazareth I think it's like a, I got it at the pound the pound store the dollar store equivalent yeah. Um, yeah and it's just it's like I think it's got like 30 songs or something on it and it's just like a random kind of greatest hits but it looks like a bootleg back to the coagulating darkness that's like you know it sounds like a, but it was, I was going to say it was like when it comes to people that are obviously you know really influenced by Metallica, whether I agree or care or whatever about it. Um, one of the cool things that I thought hearing that, because that was probably one of the first, uh, yeah, Hell Ripper things that I heard. And I was like, oh, cool. Well, if there's going to be some Metallica love, let it be Kill em All. Let it be like earlier eras. And I could totally identify like, wow, that was like, you know, like a 
I don't know, whiplash maybe, or, or what I can't think of off the top of my head, but I could definitely hear some riffage that was like, that's cool, but it's like definitively an era, not like just overall, like, oh, you know, you're doing some yes, you know, or, or something like that. It's like, it's not the yeah. god awfulness, whether. Oh, that was the plan for the next album, just scatter that kind of shit throughout. Just, yeah, ooh. <laughs> Seriously? No, yeah, it's, uh, my favorite Metallica is actually Justice, which is probably not what you would expect, but, and I wasn't even deliberately influenced by Metallica while writing that album, which is the strangest thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are probably my favorite band, but while writing that album, I don't think I listened to much Metallica at all. Yeah. During like the writing process, I was more into like speed metal, um, Halloween and stuff during that period. What's your, but, what's your favorite Halloween? Because I'm like, just, I don't really go past walls of Jericho. Yeah, basically, yeah, the same with me. All all that kind of, the same with all the kind of power metal bands, like, um, or heavy metal bands that are popular now. I mean, like Running Wild. Obviously, the first two, th- two three albums are my favorite. Um, then it gets a bit too festival, sing-along, Mm. I was always, you know, I was always held up by the by the 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 pirate metal thing, and then just recently, uh, a friend of mine was like posting about it on Facebook, like these later running wilds are great. Now I don't know about that because I haven't really gotten to know them, but he was pointing out how yeah. people shit on them for being pirate metal, and I was like, well, you know, what do you want? Like, so they sing about pirates and shit. You know, there's violence, there's theft, and whatever you know going on. That's metal. Like, what do you, so you want to hear about, you know, demons fucking nuns again for the zillionth time? Like, I, I don't, I don't get the gripe. And it's just like, that's a pretty good, uh, pretty good thought there. I'm going to, I'm going to take that and share it. And here's my attempt. Yeah. At <laughs> I don't think it's the lyrics of that kind of music that really bother me. Some of it's, it's just the music is too, I mean, if you hear it, you know, it's too cheery, too. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's not my thing. Well, it's of that reach for the stars, German power metal. Like there, that's, well, at least yeah. that's what I label it. Reach for the stars, German power metal. Because it's like where most of that stuff comes from, you know, like, you know, gamma rays, Stradivarius. Uh, yeah. Well, that's good enough right there. Uh, you know, that's like where a lot of that stuff is. Not that it's bad or anything. Hell, I like, I like Blind Guardian a lot. I'm not, I'm not too, I'm not too familiar with this, all those kind of bands just because, See, I might be missing out because I've probably only heard of their later stuff. Yeah. So that's turned me off. Like I, I just haven't bothered to explore a lot of, a lot of the things. Well, there you go, man. Just turn off, <laughs> turn off the Metallica themselves. Then you'd be like, "Fuck yeah!" yeah. What well, was like? Now I know what uh, old Reap was talking about there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so a one man band. I'm always interested to kind of dig into the brain of the the process because I know how that process can be and I like doing things and kind of being the control freak of it all and being the end say and the start and all that good stuff but it can be very tedious and especially for me when a drum machine's involved uh, I use it specifically to demo and then kind of move on from there and get real drums involved where you've obviously settled for it now is that done intentionally or it's just kind of like well i mean it sounds good i want to start making some music got to start somewhere 
Yeah, originally I couldn't really, I didn't have any other choice. I just had to use a drum machine because I didn't know any drummers or anything. And I released it like that and people seemed to like it. And I, I quite like the sound of it, but over the years I've improved, added new samples, added different sounds, improved my mixing and stuff. And yeah, I, I like the sound of it. So I don't really see a reason to change. I mean, I'm satisfied with the results, so it doesn't really affect me at all. Well, there you have um, a live band, you know, doing some gigs. Well, you got one coming up here, or uh, a tour rather. And and speaking of midnight, you know, playing one, one just one gig with them, right? Not, not yeah, just one show. Okay, we could have. It was supposed to be two, but we we're on tour at the time, so we couldn't manage the second show. Yeah. So with having a band though, and, and doing all that, it, does that mean that there could be a point though that you know, the band's getting tired and all that, and it's like, you know, that you'll do a future record with maybe not a full band, but a drummer, because you have... Yeah, one. it's a possibility. I'm, I never rule it out. Um, it just depends on the results. Right. Because I don't think, at the moment, I could record as good quality-sounding drums um, as I have at the moment. So I think... I wouldn't just use a drummer for the sake of it, just to say I have a drummer, like a real drum sound, because it, it can end up sounding worse. And yeah. I'm, I'm, I don't want to compromise just because it's the the true thing to do. Getting back to this release, this awesome release that uh, is now for the month of February here for Reaper Metal Productions, uh, Hell Ripper, Complete and Total Fucking Mayhem. Now, this release has been out before, and it was missing two tracks, right? Or three? We, three. Three, yeah. Yeah. So we've updated it, and I'm excited about that because one of my favorite Hell Ripper songs is None Fucking Armageddon 666 which is one of the new tracks that you get on there. Granted, those are a uh, collection, so uh, it's been on that split that maybe you hopefully have because you're so well familiar with Hellripper and Love Em and can't wait for this fucking release. But one of the songs I did want to highlight and kind of keep you know digging your brain about recording and stuff like that was uh, the first track, Flesh Ripper, because uh, <laughs> doing this and getting the CD ready and like listening back to files and making sure everything's okay, like I, that was the first song that went on there. For whatever reason, it was like over my head that your vocals are slightly different on. They're lower. I'm like, so I'm listening. I'm like, fuck. It's all like. The music sounds normal, but the what the fuck's wrong with the vocals? They're like low as hell. And then it was just like, oh, I'm an idiot. <laughs> it's not <laughs> supposed to be. But like, why? So why is just the one track like that? And I, I really like those vocals. So like, are you gonna do more like that? Yeah, that track is just like that, just because I thought it fit better. Yeah. Um, also, during the recording of the EP, since that was like my first recording, well, second actual recording ever. I was still getting used to doing vocals. I'd never, I never performed vocals before really. So I was just kind of trying different things to see what worked. Um, and yeah, if something will fit in the future, then I would definitely do the, that kind of thing again. Um, you can kind of hear it on some songs, some of the newer songs. Yeah. Like the backing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, when recording, I like to do a lot of the kind of the deicide style harmonized screams. 
I think it kind of gives it a bit of a more, just kind of makes it stand out a bit, really. Oh yeah, for sure. And I love the one J Dog definitely uh, would appreciate the DSI reference. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> Be excited about it. I mean, which is it? It, it isn't. It, it for as iconic as it is, it's not something you always hear someone to be like i was inspired to do that you know because of yeah. Sider or glenn benton or something um and then the, the other cool thing about this release is that uh it's it's kind of like got a little bit of a all-star lineup of involvement at least from h- how i can grasp in the names that i recognize and i think i recognize because uh andy seuss or seuss or however you would say it in german um he's from the uh, witch burner no which burner yeah yeah. Okay. The drummer. Yeah, no? he's um. Uh, no, I think he's bass. Okay. I think, but um, he's um, Jochen, the guy that owns um Diabolic Might Records, who yeah. released the vinyl yeah. and stuff. Um, Andy Seuss helps him out with the label. Yeah. Um. So he masters all the albums for vinyl, I believe, and yeah, for getting that ready for vinyl, he he offered to do that, which is really cool. I'm a big Witchburner fan as well. Oh yeah, great band. I um never had the opportunity to see him live. Have you? No, not at all. Um, I don't think they perform very often right now, and if they do, it's in Europe. Yeah, a friend of so, mine was uh, friends with them, um, and anytime I'd see him because he was also German, he would come back and he would like like have like a a Witchburner shirt or something for me, and because he knew I liked him and stuff and. So that was always the the coolest of like you know hookups there presents that you could get because it's like oh hell yeah you know because I, I didn't know yeah. anything about it you know uh, and and then the witch burner shirts and stuff is definitely not so available in the United States because I highly doubt they came here yeah. but d- didn't or no I don't think because speaking of that witch burner tie then like Patrick from Iron Bonehead uh, was previously a, a longstanding vocalist as well but I don't think. He didn't, you, you didn't, no, you didn't do anything with him, did you? Or no, no, split? no. Okay. Yeah. I, but I could see it fitting if, <laughs> if you ha- had you. <laughs> so, but then the other thing is to highlight then is the bat, the, uh, the back art from uh, Mark Riddick. Mark Riddick, it's always, what's really cool for me, especially with this whole Reaper Metal thing and like, you know, now having the releases and all that, it's like, it really brings a lot of this stuff full circle of why it's like, I kind of think it's really cool to be at least what formulates maybe a community and something slightly different than, you know, anything that's like creative platforms, otherwise using the same kind of creativeness that everybody else is doing. It's just kind of the individuals that have been involved with other things that have been done, you know, and like really no purpose than they just came, you know, it's just a line. It's a coincidence more or less. Um, and, yeah. and that's really cool. That's just like, you know, here's somebody you work with for years and then, psh, oh, wow, he did this too. And, you know, I love that art on the back, but then one of the one of the tracks that it, or the two tracks, I believe. Sorry, I'm like all over the place and understanding what came from where, but I probably could just look at the booklet. I did the goddamn layout. Maybe I should just remember. Um, <laughs> but uh, like, so you did a split with Mark's band though, uh, Fetid Zombie or Feeded mm-hmm. Zombie, as he would say. Um, which I never knew that the that was a pronunciation of, but. Uh, like so, it's just it's really cool that like everything comes full circle like that, and yeah. boom, you have what I think is a very nice collection that uh, we updated a little bit and gave what is it eight page booklet? Yeah, eight pages and kind of updated the layout a little bit yeah. and 
It's got the extra tracks, it's got the more of the artwork. Updated the photo, made homeboy bust out the phone and get the scenario uh, go. <laughs> I absolutely hate photos. The worst thing about being in hell <laughs> is the photo is taking photos. Why is that? I, I hate taking photos of myself. Oh. Uh, I feel I feel like an idiot posing like uh, I don't know, I hate it. I hate every bit of it. It's the worst. <laughs> I, I, hell, I suggest just getting paintings done. Just have your, someone to do yourself dead, like I did. And then <laughs> I, did, I did actually think of of getting uh, yeah? the, the artist um, that I usually use. Uh, I, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Scad Valder, Scath Valder. Oh, you and me both. <laughs> yeah, he'll he'll message me later if he sees this and correct me. Um, yeah, I was going to get him to do something like that, just because I, I hate photos. I don't. I don't know. It's not. I don't really have an like an aesthetic either, mm-hmm. so yeah, I don't see the point of me running around a forest with corpse paint or in a, a graveyard. It doesn't it doesn't appeal to me. It, it doesn't add anything to my music. Yeah. So really, well, it's especially kind of having a band that would otherwise be like you know, sticking to a formula that's definitely been very established. So an old English font, um, you know, and just black and white, red, all yeah. the, the color schemes uh, that a lot of those bands that do that do kind of go with the, you know, lack of photos and stuff. So it, yeah. it would suit you to do that. But I don't know. I, I think for for all that Hell Ripper is in not breaking a mold, it's something still different if that makes any sense and maybe as the artist maybe it doesn't or at least you can't fathom it because it's somebody else's opinion telling you that but like and that's one but that's one of the cool things i like about it i don't think it has any it doesn't have anything to do with the drum machine because that's not fresh that's been done a zillion times but like it's just i don't know something there's like a personality to it and uh you know i think it kind of does go back to like that was my impression especially from the coagulating darkness like i said you know hearing that metallica early early metallica kind of riffage style um and just I don't know. It just it seems like while you would like Bathory, Midnight, and or and anybody that could fall in those this gap, you don't just deliberately like take it and run with it and clone it. And there's something yeah, more there. Yeah. So I'm, I like that. <laughs> yeah, I like to try and get uh, like as much as my influence in as possible. I don't want to. I mean, I, I don't want to be extremely original, you know, like Vector or something like yeah. be groundbreaking. Like, I don't think I couldn't do that. So I just try and write the best song I can in somewhere in the spectrum of punk, speed metal, thrash metal, like within that spectrum. I don't want to be solo, solely a metal punk. So I can't, I can't include harmonize guitars or I can't include this or that. I just want to kind of, if it's fast and if it's fun, then that's all that matters to me. A vector um, or somebody that's just got something original going on. Um, mm. 
you can't force it. Those, those guys aren't, I, I, mean, I don't know the guys in Vector, but like mo- anybody that it usually does have like their own style that you can hear and sound, like they don't sit there and like concentrate on it. It's just them yeah. being them. And I think that's kind of the point to be taken here of what I, you know, obviously noticed uh, is, is that just, yeah, it's just you being you. I want to leave folks with a taste of some Hell Ripper um, because nobody's going to be. <laughs> ambitious enough to go and search this out if I tell them to but if you want if you wanted to be so ambitious and get with the times boom go to Reaper Metal Productions and you can grab your copy here which uh, well I don't have it here at the time of posting this video and presenting this uh, example but it'll be up there and this is what it looks like because obviously you can figure that out yourself and that's just simply reapermetalproductions.bandcamp.com or reapermetalproductions.com. Whatever leads you there, ultimately, it'll be linked up in the description of this video. So definitely check that out. Definitely grab a copy. But I want to cue up the track. I said none fucking Armageddon, but I want to play that for somebody else here. So I'm going to save it. Um, So let me grab a copy (laughs) and pick one out on the fly. What better way to come up with a very wordy ex- answer than to put you on the spot? And oh, let's go with. Uh, there was a lot of uh, doing things to a cross on this album. So you, well, we got vomit on the cross and blood on the cross. So let's do blood on the cross. So how did we graduate from, or how did we digress? Because in the song order, from blood on it to well, from vomit to then blood on it. Yeah, I did think of that there. <laughs> The right thought sounded cool. Why not? Well, Blood on the Cross, um, I took that from another song, like the the title. Um, I can't even think of what it's called. Aggressive Crucifixion by Midnight. Okay. That's like the chorus, uh, I think. So I, I stole Athenar's idea there, um, called it that. And Vomit on the Cross, I thought, just went well with the rhythm of the chorus. So I just thought, yeah, why not? A little I didn't think it was going to be featured on the same compilation again. <laughs> so I thought, so I thought, oh, I can, I can put one cross related song on each release. No one will notice. Then you came along and put them right next to each other. Oh, it's my fault. Yeah. Cause that's what, cause it's one of the updated tracks is yeah. so, okay. I got you. Well, hey, you got to prepare for these things, man. You never know. <laughs> yeah. Who cares? <laughs> no, it's fine. And especially if you're going to be citing Midnight, well, Athena, I would just tell you that it's like, you know, as he words things that he blatantly does take from bands and stuff, uh, you know, like Rolling Stones or whatever, ripped this uh, hell, he says, was Rolling Stones was ripped this joint. So I just, you know, yeah. thought of what dumb shit we could think about it. Then that's what we came up with. So. It's very, very midnight in spirit of you to cite that as an influence and then have that story to go with it. So without further ado, though, Hell Ripper, complete and total fucking mayhem available now again, (laughs) but updated. And I'd like to think better, not to any previous parties involved edition, though, that is now available. So let's go ahead. Cue it up. Here is Blood on the Cross. (laughs) 